Welcome to Food is Not a Four-Letter Word, the podcast where you ditch the diet drama, banish body shame, and reclaim your life, all while creating a body you love. When it comes to body drama, your host, Carmela Romalia, has been there, done that, has the t-shirt, and wrote the books. And now, here's Carmela. Hello, hello, everyone. It is me, Carmela, from Happy Calories Don't Count, back with episode 11 of the Food is Not a Four-Letter Word podcast. So let's start with our three deep breaths, shall we? Let's go. Take a deep breath in. And another one. Take a deep breath in. Let it go all the way through your body, all the way down to your tailbone. And one more time. Deep breath. Good job. Now, I started doing these three deep breaths a couple of episodes ago, uh, just to sort of ground myself before these episodes. I noticed that um, when I get on topics that really uh, irk me or inspire me or I have a lot to say about, I can go full Carmela um, and get really animated and blow the microphone settings. And I don't have a producer here to you know manage all the tech or anything like that. So um, just for for communication and for quality of product and to ground me so that I can be a more effective communicator on such um, topics that are so, you know, I don't know, agitating, I guess, uh, that I needed to ground myself. And I'm also using this as a way to model what that would look like for you, because happy calories don't count the model that will completely transform your life and help you ditch all of the diet drama and create a body and a life you love. And you will be free from all of the food and exercise drama. It is a body-centered approach. I hear a lot about like, oh, it's it's mindful eating or intuitive eating or it's mind-body medicine or it's a mind-body, you know, perspective or whatever. Um, happy calories is more body-mind. It's really body-centered. We are letting our body lead the way. And so by taking these three deep breaths before each episode, I'm hoping that in addition to grounding myself to be more effective at communicating these concepts and helping helping you on your path of healing and transformation, that I'm also modeling for you how to connect with your body. It is so simple. It is so easy. Three deep breaths. And then within that, I, and I'll probably, I don't want to do it in this episode, but um, this whole thing that how does it feel? when you're breathing. Like that just popped into my head as I was doing that second breath. And I said, you know, breathe all the way down to your tailbone. The quality of your breath and you use how you breathe to help you observe and discover and learn to get connected with your body. So that just gave me an idea for a future podcast. Again, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole <laughs> today. Um, and today I've been I've been a little anxious about this one um, because there are so many loose ends that I need to bring together. And maybe they're not necessarily loose ends, but as I keep mentioning, I listen to these shows before I upload them to the different platforms. And just because, you know, quality of product, I want to make sure that I don't ramble too far off topic because everything is interrelated. That is one of the things that makes healing and transforming this stuff 
difficult to teach in the sense that it's not like teaching math. It's not like two plus two equals four, you know, four plus four equals eight, and then three times four equals 12. And you have these things and you go through this system and you do A to B, B to C, C to D, and then you get your result. Um, it is not like that. It is complex. It is inner interrelated. It is interwoven. It is a complex system that you change one little variable and suddenly everything else in the system also changes. So you need to be able to address and work with all of that. And so everything's interrelated. And I end up talking about different topics within the context of trying to discuss a different topic. And so I've noticed as I was listening to these, oh, I didn't make that point. Oh, and there was that I needed to say, and oh, this. Um, and and I just have to trust um, that as I speak, um, because I'm, you know, connected to myself, connected to my body, connected to my to my source. I am speaking with with the intention of speaking as clearly as I can to articulate these principles to really help you, to help you, whoever is listening. And you know, as I mentioned in a different episode, what I might be saying this instant might not be relevant to you, but something five minutes later in this episode is. Or I say something, uh, I repeat myself in this episode, but I say it just a little differently than I did in the episode before that, that it lands differently and that you hear it differently. Um, and th And this perspective that I offer, it comes not just from my own pain, shame, and drama around my body and my weight, but also through the two big avenues that have helped me heal that. And one is acting, which is a whole different rabbit hole to go down. Go down. You talk about someone who was a, a teenage girl who wanted to know what to do. Just tell me what to do to do it right, to get the answer, to get the outcome that I want to get. Um, acting is the farthest thing from that. You know, that that is... That is such, uh, you know, everything Everything is up in the air and, and there is no bad and it's just a better choice or did that work or did it not work? So that that took a tremendous amount of personal growth to go into that, that space. But then also teaching Pilates for over 20 years. And, you know, I'm, I'm saying the same thing over and over again, but it's just a different way I've said it, or the person is just in a different space that particular day, um, mentally, spiritually, physically, emotionally, that they hear it a little differently. So um, I have no script. I'm just going to let it go and and hope that all of this comes together and makes sense um, in a way that is meaningful for you. So I need to start out uh, because I've been addressing the idea that you, you're you in diet drama land, you're in the matrix, and you don't even know that you're in it. And getting out of the matrix is what you need to do. Get out of diet drama land. And when you get out of diet drama land, all of the pain and the shame and the dysfunction is healed. And diet drama land is based on that fundamental mindset that you control your body by controlling what you eat and what you do for exercise, uh, that calories are a currency of exchange, that you have to pay a price to eat, that you eat more, you eat the wrong food, you eat bad food, you know, whatever it is, and you're going to gain weight, you eat less, you eat the right food, you eat good food, whatever it is, you lose weight, you exercise more, you lose weight, you lay around on the couch and you gain weight. And that's very simplistic um, because, you know, we, we've we evolved, we know that there are different body types and we 
know about this mysterious thing called metabolism, yada, da, da, da. But at the end of the day, all of the dysfunction around diet drama land comes out of that core idea. And you don't recognize that you're even in it. And part of the reason that you don't even recognize that you're in it is because of the media, is because of the marketing, is because um, people are not just influencing our behavior to try to get us to buy a product or service, but they're also influencing the way we think. And so you don't recognize that you're in in diadrama land. And so my whole job, I was mentioning that I get on two soapboxes. One is to show you how you're in diadrama land. So get out, girlfriend. You're stuck. That's why you're stuck. You're in diadrama land. And then the other one is how to get into happy calories world and how to the three deep breaths, connect with your body, cultivate a relationship with your body. That is what you want to do to create that freedom, peace, and healing. Developing a relationship with your body is the thing that's going to have you create a body and life you love. Getting out of diet drama land is the thing that's going to bring the peace, the freedom, the joy, and all of that stuff. And you can't cultivate a relationship with your body to create that body and life you love while you are stuck in diet drama land. And it just keeps pulling you back in, pulling you back in, pulling you back in. And so that's essentially the two two themes that this podcast will offer. And these discussions, they get nuanced, they um, they get deep, they go down rabbit holes. And that's why we need a podcast to cover the topics over time, you know, when I forget to make a point, but also that they can be 40 minutes, they can be an hour, they can be however long they need to be to say what needs to be said. So the first thing that needs to be said is nothing is bad. Nothing is bad. (laughs) Diadrama land isn't even bad. It's just that you're miserable when you're in diadrama land. But diadrama land isn't bad. Um, Marketing is not bad. Business is not bad. All of that stuff, it's just part of life, and it's not bad. I mean, you think about it, you know, think about going to the grocery store. How nice is it to be able to go to the grocery store and get, you know, your whatever it is that you want, you know, whether you are getting, you know, your vegetables or you're getting your drinks or you're getting your meat or you're getting your bread or whatever. And it's all all one place and, and you don't have to, you know, go out to the the, you don't have to go plow the back 40 and then crunch down and break down your grain and then um, mill it and then whatever it is to bake your own bread. You know, now, granted, there are people that do that and there are people that like to do that part is a, partly as a hobby or p- as part of a lifestyle choice or whatever. That's all fine and good. But what I'm talking about is that supermarkets aren't bad. They're 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 part of an evolution of a complex system that has created convenience for us. You know, a lot of people get fed really easily because we have these things called supermarkets. And, you know, the grocery store, uh, you know, your Safeway versus your Albertsons versus your Whole Foods or versus whatever, you know, they have sales and they have advertising so that you can, that you know what's available at their store. And so you should come shop at them and you, they need to have you be a customer to sell their wares so that one, you're getting the thing that you're wanting, but then also so that they can stay in business. You know, they pay their employees, they, they contribute to society, they contribute to the economy. So business is not bad, you know? And I think that sometimes when I'm getting in there to show you 
how you are being manipulated or how your thoughts, how, how your thinking is getting influenced, you know, it can be easy to say like, oh, oh my God, oh no, 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 bad, 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 get out, get out. Um, blame, blame whatever. And that's not an empowering perspective to take. So, you know, nothing's bad. Marketing's not bad. I have to market. You know, like, look, the title of the podcast, food is not a four-letter word. It's something I made up. You know, it was actually, it was a social media thing I made up um, because I thought it was funny. You know, it was like, oh, this play on this idea of four-letter words, and it's a bad word. Um, But food isn't a bad word, but food does have four letters in it. So, you know, food is not a four-letter word. It was fun, but I use it to pique your curiosity so that then you'll come listen to what I have to say about healing and transforming your pain, shame, and drama around your body and your weight. So marketing isn't bad. Business isn't bad. There's nothing wrong with any of that. What you need to do to be empowered is to understand the players, understand the players in the game. And you, my friend, are a player. You are part of this complex system. It is an organic system that is evolving. And so it's... um. And I say this a lot uh, because a lot, especially in this current moment in time, a lot of what I'm saying, somebody else could listen to this and say, oh, she sounds like a conspiracy theorist. I do not believe that there's a little green man behind a curtain or, you know, a few little power elite people, you know, pulling levers and pushing buttons and things like that. Um, When it comes to food, drama, body drama, self-esteem issues, all of these things, it, there is a complex system going on, an economic system, a cultural system, a familial system, an interpersonal system, complex systems going on that you have these roles. You know, Shakespeare says all the world's a stage. So we're playing out these parts. But then if we all have our own different motivations, then those motivations to meet an objective are going to change when we encounter obstacles, so tactics will change and things like that. So that's to set up the idea to just let things be as they are, because fighting against something does not create empowerment. What creates empowerment is understanding what is going on to develop the media and marketing literacy skills to develop the mental, spiritual, and emotional musculature to be able to take the current climate, to take whatever's going on, walk into things eyes wide open, and then you can stand in your place of power and make a choice. You can choose to engage or you can choose not to. And so this applies to just about everything going on, you know, just life in general. But specifically, I always bring it back to diet, body, weight loss, because that's my wheelhouse, okay? Now, again, I keep coming back to this idea about how people, marketers specifically, and not just marketers in the weight loss arena or the body image or the self-esteem personal growth arena are trying to influence the way we think. It's this, especially this whole app culture. I mean, it, it's just interesting. We we make assumptions about the nature of reality today that we wouldn't have made, you know, 30 years ago. We certainly wouldn't have made 100 years ago, you know, type of thing. And so messages that I hear 
over and over and over again, you know, because someone's watching a YouTube video or, you know, someone's got the TV on or the radio on and I hear the ad. Um, it's, it's really interesting. So there are these apps because we're in an app-driven society. And the other thing, too, is you got to understand I don't know where in the world you are where you're listening to this, um, but I'm from Seattle. I live in, I'm living in the Seattle area, and this is Tech Central. So everyone I know works for Amazon. They work for Microsoft. They work for Google. Um, they work for biotech. Everything is really tech, tech, tech-driven. And, and people are making these data-driven decisions, and everything's about the data and the data and the data. Like, if you have better data, then you can make better decisions. And if you have if you can measure it you can manage it and all these tropes that come up and you know that's just not true it's just a flat out lie that that is not true and and one of the things is that both with science and with the data it will tell you what it will never tell you why so um for example someone might be um trying to grow a business whatever that business is and you know the the they want all the tech they want all the they want all the data because they're spending money on marketing and they want to know where what marketing is effective and are these ads giving you a good rate of return on your investment and all of this stuff the only thing data can tell you is what it can never tell you why so if you put out an ad or whatever and you get a whole bunch of people to click on it you don't know why someone is clicking on it Someone could be clicking on it by mistake. Someone could be clicking on it by, you know, looking, the picture looked pretty. Or someone could be looking at it, because clicking on it because their thumb was too big for the little screen. And that one clicked instead of the one that they were really trying to get. Um, and, you know, all sorts of different things. And then, then, then there are marketers that want to split test to figure out why, 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 why. And the thing is, you'll never know why. Well, science will tell you what, but it'll never tell you why. It'll tell you that, you know, water will freeze at, you know, 32 degrees Fahrenheit or, you know, zero degrees Celsius. And then you go, why? And then a scientist will say something like, well, the molecules start to slow down. When the temperature drops, the molecules slow down and then they start to, to bond together and form together to make a solid. That's still descriptive of what? It doesn't say why. And I think what happens with a lot of us that get caught into the body drama thing, it's like we want we we do the what we do the we do the diet we do the exercise program we do the personal growth we do whatever and we're not getting the results and it's why 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 isn't this working why isn't this working and we follow we follow outside information based on the assumption that the data is going to fix the problem, that the data is going to tell you the why, or that the data is going to help you heal whatever that is that you were trying to heal to help you stay on the diet, to get the kind of body that you wanted to get, yada, da, da, da. Um, and I'm going to say this in this podcast right now, and I'm not going to go down this rabbit hole um, because it's a, it's a different topic, but I promise I'm going to try to do a whole podcast. I wrote a whole book on the idea that you only want whatever you want, even including the body you want. So you only want the job you want. You only want the money you want. You only want the man or the woman or the children or the house or the body that you want because you think having it will make you happy. That is your fundamental drive. Now, I've already alluded to in a different podcast that um, 
Victor Frankl um, is he was a guy, he's a psychiatrist who survived the Nazi concentration camps, and his work really spoke to me. It's about man's search for meaning, this this inner drive that we have. And in my own work, I found it very similar. And I don't know if it's because we've faced being in a Nazi concentration camp is very different than being anorexic. I'm not saying that we face similar experiences, but that similar um, just being pushed to the edge being pushed to death's door and fighting for survival, like literal, visceral, seriously, folks, this is life and death, fighting for survival um, created similar types of, of experiences through which our work has grown. And I, I see that mine parallels his a lot, only his talks about his man, man's search for meaning, like what it, this meaning in life. And mine is more about like happiness. You really want this because you want to be happy. And and for me, meaning does make it happy. Like I do want meaning. I want happiness in my life. So we want what we want because we think having it will make us happy. And so therefore, if anything we are doing in terms of a diet program, an exercise program, a job, a this, a that, whatever it is we think we need to do to get that thing that we want that's going to make us happy. But the process of that is an unhappy experience. And even if we achieve that end goal, like the corner office, you know, or the rich husband or, you know, what whatever the body that, you know, the the bikini body that is on the, um, the Ms. Fitness bodybuilder competition stage, Whatever that is, if that process or even to get it or to maintain it is an unhappy experience, you're never going to get that thing you really want and you're always going to be stuck. You're, you're never going to have the peace that you, that you were really seeking. So yeah, that's, that's down the rabbit hole for that one. I need, I need to circle back to this, this way of how we are interplaying with culture and society and the messages. So, you know, tech, tech, tech. I'm seeing all these ads all the time for tech, whether they're on my phone, on my Instagram feed or my Facebook feed or, you know, on the YouTube channel, the the um, the uh, radio, the TV, whatever. And, you know, I, I, I hear this this um, slogan a lot because somebody's running an ad a lot about get to know your body better with the idea that, you know, having an app that measures things is going to get to know your body better. So that's that's influencing a, a mindset that and and you if you start to hear that in, in, enough times, even just in the background when you're not even really consciously paying attention, you kind of get into the state of oh I I don't really know my body. I guess I don't know my body. I guess I need this app to to know my body better. You know you don't even realize that it, it happens and I already went off on an entire episode about how, you know, you don't need a silly app to get to know your body better. What you need to do is spend quality time with your body to get to know your body better. But the thing that um, really just, I'm like, seriously, people, are are you for real? Um, So I think it was last episode, I was talking about um, eating disorders and how there's this entire new, well, it's not even actually new, it's been around for a while, um, but this classification of eating disorders that's like you're too healthy 
You have an eating disorder because all you want to do is eat healthy, eat healthy food, eat organic, eat whatever, and you're very regimented about eating healthy food, so you have this quote-unquote eating disorder. And I'm and I uh, use this guy, Dr. Greger, as an example of someone who promotes uh, whole food plant-based diet whole food plant-based diet. And so if you were following his program, and again, Dr. Greger is not the spokesperson for Happy Calories. Happy Calories, you eat whatever you want, whenever you want. You listen to your body. Your body is in charge when it comes to Happy Calories. You get to eat whatever you want. I'm using him as an example of marketing. So Dr. Greger is this guy who... He can't really say eat vegan and get his message across because when people think vegan, people are going to think, you know, oh, well, no animal products, you know, so I'm not going to eat eggs or I'm not going to eat meat or, or fish or I'm just milk. I'm not going to eat animal products. Well, Oreo cookies are vegan. You know, now again, Happy Calories does not judge anything as good food or bad food, you know, anything like that. But Oreo cookies are vegan. And I think something like Cracker Jacks are vegan, too. There are these these examples of things that are vegan um, that most people would not consider, quote unquote, most people living in diet drama land. There, I'll get really specific. Most people living in diet drama land would not consider health food. So to be specific about the type of diet he is advocating, Dr. Greger says whole foods, so, you know, nothing processed. It's coming from a whole food, plant-based. So that also means not animal. So vegetables, potatoes, um, corn, grains, legumes, those kinds of things. Those those are the types of things that this guy advocates. And so he's built up this thing recently. He's got two books out. He's now famous and he's got his, you know, he's got his own little his um platform, I guess for lack of a better word that people follow him. And it's, you know, based on plant-based, whole food plant-based. So now he's been around for a few years. And I'm in the stores and 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 I see these sections, plant-based protein, you know, and what it is, what is it? It's like veggie burgers, but veggie burgers have been around forever, but now it's plant-based protein. And now I'm hearing uh, commercials that are like plant-based energy water, plant-based energy drinks. And I'm like, seriously? And here's another one, plant-based crackers. So people will take They'll take an idea uh, uh, like what's hot in the current moment or something and kind of tweak it. Even like plant-based water is ridiculous. Um, plant-based crackers is are, are ridiculous. Like how do you have crackers? You don't have meat crackers. Meat crackers is beef jerky. Like what are you talking about? But but they they play on the idea of a moment and then you don't even realize how you're starting to think about things differently. Like extraordinary health comes from extraordinary ingredients. And all of these slogans are things that I've actually heard out there in the marketplace. And so, you know, they're things that stick with me, they bug me, you know, whatever, because I'm like, those are ideas 
You wonder why it's so hard to get out of the matrix. This is one of the reasons. You know, it come it comes back around and back around, and and the the names and the players may change, but the game is still the same. And so I had alluded, well, I did a whole episode on how like Weight Watchers has evolved in the market space without actually changing their core product. Weight Watchers is still fundamental diet and exercise model. Weight Watchers is diet drama land, but it has evolved from, you know, the counting the calories and we're going to watching our weight to into the points, which is still just a way to, you know, have points and how many points do you get? You only get so much to eat to now it's WW because of this uh, new body positivity thing in the in the social political current climate the culture and how it's all down with diet culture diet culture is a bad thing and so weight watchers i mean think about it in the name weight watchers is the epitome of diet culture and you've got this whole group of people out here rallying against diet culture well weight watchers has to change their name and rebrand into ww to be able to fit into the market space but they haven't actually changed the core thing all right so these were some of the, you know, the headlines and things that I wanted to um, address. And and then here's another one, because this one popped up on my social media um, that I, I speak about, like, you don't even realize that you're in it, okay? And so a lot of people go down the path of spiritual growth, personal growth. Um, they go to therapy, whatever it is, because they think that if it, they heal their own self-hatred, if they heal, you know, and evolve as a person, then they'll be able to stay on a diet. You know, again, that's trying to heal the problem from within the context that created the problem. And so this quote is is from Louise Hay and and I love me my Louise Hay. So I, I got to tell you, um, I, a, a, as you know, if you're a listener of this podcast, you, I, I have had, <laughs> I have had my dark nights of the soul. Um, I have had my very significant life-threatening pain and drama around all of this stuff. And um, I really did a deep dive into personal growth, again, to try to help me stay on a diet, which is why I can call it out, because I understand, you know, what's happening. Uh, and I did a deep dive into, like, all of Louise Hay's material, Marianne Williamson, Wayne Dyer, Abraham Hicks, Byron Katie, the list goes on. It was, you know, just what what can I do to to help myself? And Louise Hay was one of the first people, you know, she, if you don't know who she is, she's kind of the grandmother of what what um, current self-help kind of is. You know, it, it was back in the 80s, you know, her first book got written and it was like this whole personal development self-help um body or body of work. I mean, Hay House, that publishing company is, is named for Louise Hay. And they publish people like, you know, Wayne Dyer and, you know, Abraham Hicks and all of that. So uh, about, oh, how long ago was it now? Uh, many, many, many years ago. I'm, I'm thinking maybe 24 years ago. Um, I was having a really, really, really hard time. I was in grad school. I was all alone. I was in the middle of a big binge cycle. I'd never binged before. I was in, a restrictive anorexic. My life was unraveling. I had no idea what to do. Um, and I was mainlining Marianne Williamson tapes, and I was reading a lot of Mary, uh, Louise Hay stuff and had her little mad manifestation cards and her little cards of the day and, you know, all the little things that you get to try to help you feel better. 
And I, I mean, I don't know what inspired me to do this, but I wrote her a letter. And I don't even remember what I wrote in the letter, but she wrote me back. And that was a very, very, very big deal to me. Now, granted, in the letter, the things that she said in the letter were not helpful at all because she basically said, it's not about the food. Here, Here's a resource for an eating disorder, you know, hotline kind of thing. Um, and that the actual content was not helpful. But the fact that she cared enough to write back and signed it herself, and I still have that letter, um, was very, very important to me. So I am not knocking Louise Hay by any stretch of the imagination when I share this. So on my, uh, I don't know if it was Facebook or Instagram feed or what what social media channel I saw this um, on, on which I saw this particular thing. It's, it's a picture of a beautiful flower and, you know, on all the beautiful art that her style is. And it's this affirmation. And this affirmation says, I am the only person who has control over my eating habits. I can always resist something if I choose to. Hello. So can we say diet drama land? Um, because what her, the idea of Louise Hay's affirmations and affirmations are very powerful. Affirmations aren't magic. They're not uh, airy fairy. They're not whatever. An affirmation is just something that you say to yourself and you might say something unconscious to yourself, but an affirmation is, is something that you say to yourself and, you know, you could have it be true. Like if you are a young girl and you feel like you're worthless, um, you can be unconsciously saying to yourself that you're worthless and that you don't fit in and that, you know, nobody likes you. And especially in the social media age, I'm going to get that's on my list. I'm going to get to that in a second. Um, that that kind of mindset is going to influence how you see the world. And that circles back to why I'm I'm specifically trying to talk about the marketing and how their messages. I mean, marketers, they they pull out all the psychological tricks. They study psychology to try to use specific words to make triggers, to create, to create an idea, to to create an emotion, to create a feeling, to inspire you to think something, to do something, to take an action, to click a link or to buy their product or whatever it is. And it's just over and over. It's like this little hypnosis this little brainwashing thing over and over again. So anyway, these back to these affirmations. Affirmations are a very powerful thing. Like, you know, if uh, athletes, you know, they do it. It's like they're like, okay, I can do this. You know, let's let's go. I can, I, I can do this. This I can do this is an affirmation. Well, so if you're unfamiliar, you know, Louise Hay has affirmation cards and affirmation decks, and she was kind of the queen of affirmations, just kind of do your affirmations, her affirmations and her mirror work, um, which is a different topic. Um, but uh, so she has these affirmations. A lot of them are like, I am capable and I allow abundance into my life and I am safe and I am lovable. And a lot of those affirmations are really, really great and they're really, really helpful, you know? And then you come to an affirmation like this that says, I am the only person who has control over my eating habits. I can always resist something if I choose. She's saying that as an affirmation, as a statement of fact. I can resist something if I choose. And that shows me right there that that is coming from diet drama land. Because in Happy Calories world, there's no need to resist anything. Why would you need to resist something? 
you all of the in happy calories world any impulse you have is an impulse coming from your body if you're trying to resist an impulse if you're trying to resist um uh something then you need to disconnect your bot from your body to do that resisting and that is the thing that is going to create all of the pain and all the drama and all of the dysfunction. In happy calories world, we're connected to our bodies, so we don't need to resist anything at all. But then again, you know, if you're in the space of personal growth and personal development and you're trying really hard to to come to a place where you actually love and appreciate yourself, which is a very important path to take. It's a very important journey. It's a very noble journey. But then you're you're encountering things from people who are leaders in this space, people who, who I legitimately admire and adore. And then out of their mouth comes something like, I can always resist something if I choose. And it's like, oh, no wonder you get stuck in diet drama land. Like, no wonder... It's so hard to get out. And I remember I was, you know, I keep talking about like the years that I was mainlining the Marianne Williamson tapes. And she uh, she was telling a story on one of her lectures. She was telling a story about how frustrating it was for her that people wouldn't simply do the workbook, do the workbook. Do the workbook of The Course in Miracles. Now, in case you don't know anything about this, A Course in Miracles is like the set of books. And it is the set of books upon which Marianne Williamson has built her career because she speaks about the principles set forth in The Course in Miracles. And I can tell you right now, as a student of The Course in Miracles, it is much more fun and much more entertaining to listen to Marianne Williamson lecture about The Course in Miracles than it is to actually read the books. <laughs> you know, reading the books is not so fun. Listening to Marianne talk about the books is much more engaging and much more fun. And I think that's, I think that was she was too good. It was like she was she was a victim of her own success because then people wouldn't want to read the books. And part of part of the personal transformation comes from doing the exercises in the workbook. And people wouldn't do people just wouldn't do them. And so she would get frustrated. And she was telling this story in one of her lectures. She's like, it's just like going to the gym. You know, you can lift the weight and you can be really, really happy the, about lifting the weight or you can lift the weight and you can really hate lifting the weight. It doesn't matter. The weight will still do its job. Lifting, it's like she was making that analogy to doing the workbook. It didn't matter if you liked doing the workbook or not. It didn't matter if it was a happy experience. It didn't matter if it was a, an unhappy experience. Just do the stupid workbook and you'll get the results. And she was making the analogy to that of lifting weights. Well, during that time, I was in the bodybuilder phase and I was miserable in the gym and I was lifting those weights. And let me tell you, I was not getting the changes. And it was really interesting because I was, an ex I was experiencing a disconnect. I'm like, here, I, here is this leader, this, this thought leader, this, this author, this, this um, mentor, even if, she, even if it wasn't a personal mentor, this, this person I looked up to and I admired and I was looking to for guidance in my life. And she's saying something that I'm experiencing the complete opposite. 
And that that's another little kernel that was like, no, what you think and feel and believe about something really does matter. So I, I'm sorry, Marianne, I do love you. You've influenced my life tremendously. Um, and I know from lifting weights that if you are not in alignment with lifting the weights, lifting the weights isn't going to do a darn thing for you. And I'm guessing that the same is probably true for The Course of Miracles. Um, but I, that I do not know. Um, so it it goes to show how it's so hard to get out of the matrix because everywhere you look, everywhere you go, even when you're trying to get out of it, other leaders, people that you admire and respect, people that um, have legitimate truth to share, they're not some hack. They're 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 well respected people will say things that are coming from the diet and exercise model that will just reinforce that perspective and then keep you stuck. And so I'm noting the time and I'm thinking, you know, this is probably uh, about time to wrap up, but I do want to um, circle back to this idea because I, I mentioned it an episode or two ago about the little girl in her room with her phone and the social media. And this ties into how 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 we think has changed over time and how we think is changing. And I don't care what you think. Um, I'm not trying to get you to think anything. All I want for you is for you to be able to think and to be able to think for yourself to be able to think critically for yourself so that it is your own mind, your own heart, your own essence doing the thinking so that you can stand in your place of power and you can make the best choice for you. And it, it, it takes a lot. It takes a tremendous amount of work because in the current climate, everyone's trying to influence how you think. And so right now I'm looking at the, the youngsters growing up. They're growing up with the phones. They're growing up with social media. They're growing up with the apps. And as I mentioned in the last episode or the episode before that, um, that there was a very poignant uh campaign from Dove, the soap beauty product line that was a commercial um, or a little vignette video of a girl who had snapped a selfie and it was on, I'm guessing Instagram, but it was on some social media platform and it was getting all of these likes and all of these, you look gorgeous and all these comments. And, and it's just the little numbers kept spiraling up, 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 up. And then it reverse um, time lapses as to what had led up to that moment. And you t and this this girl, you know, she looks great. She's you know got the the full on glam hair and makeup and everything. And you reel it back, and it reveals you know some girl that's probably twelve, and she's sitting in her room, all by herself, and she had snapped a photo, a candid photo of herself as she was authentically her. And she uploaded it to social media and there were crickets, like absolutely nothing. And so what's happening is like there's this new currency, this new, the currency is no longer calories. The currency is likes, the currency is comments, the currency is, is and that's how you're getting your value. 
And so as and, and I'm so glad, oh God, I am so glad I am not a parent of a youngster. Um, but the the people of the younger generation developmentally do not have the wisdom of years. They don't have the maturity. They don't have the experience. They don't have the um, critical thinking skills to understand that that is not reality because to them, that is reality. And so again, that's a way that people are changing. They're changing how you think. And as an adult or as an outsider, you can kind of see the horror of that happening in that little vignette with this with this little beautiful little girl and what it's doing to her sense of self and what it's what it's doing to her self-esteem and and all of that stuff but do you really take a moment to realize that you you think that way too you know you follow someone on Instagram or on a social media YouTube video there are a bajillion makeup tutor- tutorials you know, and it's like you got your handful of people that are like the super superstars that are then getting the product endorsements or they're getting the sponsorships or whatever. But they're not any actually they're not actually any better at at tutorials. And it's interesting, you know, because we get into this world of algorithms and the keywords, and you just have to say the right keyword to get the right thing. And this is one of the things that I fight against all the time with my stuff is, you know, like the podcast is called Food is Not a Four-Letter Word. And so then I'm going to type in my keywords about, you know, body positivity, or I'm going to type in a keyword about, you know, eating disorders or whatever. Well, because my keyword does not match my title, then the algorithm doesn't like it. And so it's in this tech age that more and more and more as we've got that Alexa and we've got the smart TVs and the smartphones and all of this stuff, Things are driven on algorithms and data collection. And again, data tells you what, it never tells you why, and algorithms do not feel. They do not feel. So they're creating these things that are, they're constructing reality, which is not even a real reality. And one of the the stories, the perspectives I can offer about that is from acting. So as, a, as an actress, as a young actress, um, both in age and in young in terms of being new to the profession, you know, I'm trying to learn how to be an actress. And again, it's, I got to tell you, it is a mind trip. It is complete personal development when you are someone who is very type A and wants to know what is the path, what is the structure, what is the thing I need to do to get the thing I want, you know, like a math equation. How do I solve the derivative to be able to get the right answer to build the bridge, you know, that kind of thing. And you take that structure, that very linear, logical tech kind of structure, and you throw it into the realm of acting, which is humanity, which is creating life, which is how do you take something on a, on words on a piece of paper and actually breathe life into them so that when you are on stage, you are embodying a real live human character. You know, it, it's quite a head trip. And so as you're auditioning, and this is the other thing, acting, you are, you're more, if you're an actor, more often you are out of work than you are in work. Um, and that's another thing that people who aren't in the industry can't really appreciate that it's like, it's really stressful. Um, I think the latest stat I looked at was 2%, 2% of the members of the Screen Actors Guild actually make a living acting. 
And so you think about all of the stars, you know, the A-list celebrities, you know, and then you think about the B-list celebrities, and then you think about all the people on TV, and then you think about all the people that, oh, there's that guy, you know, that that guy from that thing, or there that there's that girl again in that commercial. I saw her and, oh, yeah, I recognize that person. All the people who are consistently getting, you know, um, television parts, if you go to their IMDb page, they might have 250 credits because they were a, a day player on, you know, all these different TV shows, you know, so it's this constant auditioning, a constant, you know, applying for a job. And, you know, 2%, the, all the people that you recognize, all of the people that you know, that represents 2% of all the people out there that are, that, are, that are members of the union. They are members of the union. That means that they have had a modicum of success to be a member of the union, right? And so you're constantly trying to you're constantly trying to impress the the people who are casting, you're doing your best work and you're constantly getting rejected. It's like no, no, no. No, no, no. Rejection, rejection, rejection. And so when you're constantly getting rejected, it's very easy to think, "Oh, I didn't do a very good job." Oh, I wasn't the right type. Oh, I need to get better at this. Oh, what can I do to improve as a person, as an actor, so that next time I can get the job? And that is that that's something that's a logical thing that you would teach someone growing up. You know, you need to do your best. Um, learn learn what skills and tools will be good and valuable in the marketplace so that then you compete you can compete in society then you can take care of yourself learn learn um, how to be a better person learn how to have good communication skills all of these things that we do have power and control over to improve ourselves right so that's that's an important piece of this that's a good thing but when it comes to whether or not you get the job all of that stuff can be completely irrelevant because I had an opportunity early on. I was very, very lucky. Um, it saved me many, many years of pain and drama that early on in my career, I was fortunate to, enough to have the opportunity to be on the other side of the casting table, that I was part of a decision-making team that was casting a play. And we had all of these actresses come in and read for the part. And so, and again, you know, we're out here in Seattle, you know, we're kind of like a nobody in the big stage. I mean, like, LA is a big market, and New York's a big market, and Chicago's a big market. But like, here we are just out here in Seattle. And we had all of these actresses, um, and we had them come in. And oh, my goodness, they were all so beautiful. And I remembered that there was this one girl who was from LA and she was just so gorgeous. She was this blonde. She had this perfect body. She did such a good audition. She was amazing. She, I felt it. She was there. She was embodied. She was crying on cue. I mean, it was just, she was fabulous. I mean, there was, you could not fault this woman at, at all. You could not find anything wrong with her. And there was actually quite a few quite a few auditions that were like that. They were so good. You could not find any fault with them. And then like toward the end of the day, this girl walks in and she's like, she's not necessarily a great beauty. Um, she just kind of had this quality and she, she was that, she was that character. She was Chrissy. It was like she walked in and from the moment she walked in, you she didn't even open her mouth. It was like, that girl was Chrissy. 
And that girl did not have as much experience as all the other girls. That girl wasn't even necessarily as objectively pretty as the other girls. Um, she she was indeed pretty. She had a beautiful quality about her. But you know, like some of these some of these girls were like, holy smokes. Um, and she was competent as an actress. She wasn't great. Um, but she but there was something about her that was Chrissy. There was just that thing that was about her. And so there, there are all these other actresses that if they didn't understand that they were beautiful, there was not, there was, there was no fault of them that they did not get the job, you know, and there was nothing that they could do about this other person just having this essence and the quality of the character that had them get the job. And so all of this is to say that even though there are things that are good things for us to do to be empowered, to learn the skills, to be, um, to be the best person that we can be when we're going after something that doesn't if we don't get it that does not mean that there's any fault of ours that we were less than that we did not do something right or that we were not enough but in this tech age young girls especially are are being influenced in such a way that they don't have that perspective that they're starting to take that on in their self-esteem, which is what, you know, that Dove commercial or vignette or whatever was so eloquently and emotionally dis- displaying and describing. And and even if, you know, you take the marketing perspective or you take the people that are going to like try to dissect it to try to figure out how it works, you know, I I say all the time, you know, like in the science episode, even even if you legitimately get the science right, you know, science has outliers. How how do you know you're not the outlier? How do you know that the scientific study is going to work for you and that you're not the outlier? Which brings me beautifully to the title of the book, Outliers, um, by Malcolm Gladwell. And so he talks about how, you know, Bill Gates and Steve Jobs um, and the other big tech giants of this era, they they are the only ones that could have been that because of of the time and space in history. The people that were just as smart as Bill Gates, the people that were just as brilliant and all of that stuff, 10 years earlier, they didn't have the technology to be able to, to put in the time to be able to do the things that Bill and Steve and all the other guys did. If they would have come five years after, there are plenty of guys that are just as smart um, that have been... Uh, born later, but they missed they missed the window of you know that perfect storm of when everything was going on that that launched the the apples and the Microsofts of the world, and the same thing is happening in social media with the hashtags. It's happening with the keywords, with the YouTube channels and all of this stuff. Like you'll take somebody like Bethany Mata, and I don't even know how old she is now. She's probably 30. Um, But her story, you know, she's one of the first YouTube stars. She was just a little girl in a room, bored during the summer, and started doing little makeup tutorials. And then, you know, other girls kind of resonated with her because, you know, they felt like she was their friend and showing them how to do makeup. And she got all these followers and followers and followers. Well, today, if there's a little girl doing that, it's going to be a lot harder for her to get those keywords and get those algorithms because algorithms don't feel and they've already made their decisions. And so now a little girl's thinking, well, what's wrong with me? Um, So we are thinking differently 
We 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 are not necessarily thinking in terms of what is real in reality because we have the marketing influence, we have the tech influence, we have the algorithm influence, we have the data influence, and then all of those people that are doing marketing that are trying to influence how we think about things that's actually shifting our view of the nature of reality and the nature of how to be well, the nature of how to be happy, which is why we really only want anything to begin with is so that we can be happy. And so I'll just wrap this all up with that's why it's so hard to get out of diadrama land. You know, you to, again, I do not, I do not want to be in charge of what you think. You are in charge of what you think. I just want it to be you. I just want it to be you the one doing the thinking that you're that you you can see what other people are saying, how they're trying to influence you. And that's not that it's a bad thing. It's just the nature of the universe, the nature of the dynamic, organic system, complex system in which we live. You have your part to play. You're trying to influence other people, too. It's the nature of the thing but that you recognize what's happening and that when you are thinking, you are thinking your own thoughts and you are critically thinking and you are feeling your own feelings and you are standing in your own power so that you can be connected to your source. You can be connected to your highest self. You can be reconciled as a human being with your thoughts, your feelings, your beliefs, and your actions all being in alignment, all being congruent, all being in harmony, you can be connected and embodied. And from that place, you will be able to trust your impulses and you will feel confident in the choices and the actions that you take that will support you in your quest for your greatest personal growth, your greatest transformation of, of all the pain and shame around drama and and body weight, all that stuff, so that you can feel like you are actually creating a body and a life you love in a way that is sustainable. So that will be that for this episode. I hope you have a super happy day and I will talk to you later. Okay, bye. If you enjoyed this program, help it out. Give it a like, subscribe, follow, share. You know the drill. If you want to learn more about me, my books, programs, and services, visit my website, carmelaramalia.com. And don't worry, if you can't spell my name, you can also always find me at happycalories.com. Take care. <laughs>